Hey there, listeners! Welcome Hola. to <laughs> Rhapsody in Reverie, episode 6. Hold on, we gotta do that over. Why? Because I said hola at the same time you said welcome. I can fix that. <laughs> Episode six. We got a great show for you today. We do indeed. Who are we talking yes. about today? Well, why don't you remind us, our listeners, of our hint for this week? Ah, yes, there were two hints. I I think yeah no I I did make two hints because I one of them was too hard. Um. The first hint being that one of their songs was inspired by the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, and the second hint being one of their songs was inspired by the TV show Twin Peaks. And the answer to both of those hints is the band Bastille! Yay! Wasn't that exciting, kids? (laughs) And if any of you are curious as to which songs those were, um, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner was The Weight of Living Part 1, and, uh, Twin Peaks was Laura Palmer. Bastille is a fascinating band. I'm gonna assume that you know who Bastille is, listeners. I'd hope if so. If you don't, you have Google. Did um, you miss the entire, like, 2012-2013 era? Did, when, you, mi- when... did you miss Pompeii? Did yeah, you miss gonna... Pompeii? Pompeii! Played every single day on the top 40. Every single day. Every, every single hour. And, like, a, I wasn't mad about it. Me neither. But at the same wrong. time, like, if you slept on that, there's no hope for you. <laughs> it's just no hope. <laughs> no hope. Turn um, back now. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to their cover of Basket Case that they did for The Tick. Because um... when I... When I first heard they covered Basket Case, I just started, I started laughing for some reason. I don't know why the thought of, of Bastille ju- covering. Yeah, <laughs> the juxtaposition of Bastille and Green Day. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it doesn't seem like it would work. No, but you know what? I liked their cover more than I liked the original. <laughs> high praise, high praise. <laughs> Well, I'm also, I'm not admittedly, like, this this giant Green Day fan. I like Green Day, but I love, this is partly why I love Bastille, because they took this great, grungy song, I know I'm gonna get attacked by the super diehard Green Day fans for calling it grungy, but, um, they took this rock song, this really gritty rock song that is great, I love Basket Case, and they turned it into this orchestrated number with with these soaring vocals and i'm sorry a string quartet works so well (laughs) with this song so i mean whatever green day you can come for me you can 
Leave me alone. <laughs> it is fine. It is fine. I thought it was a good cover. Okay. So let's um travel back in time. All and the way back. Talk about talk about let's before we get into the albums, let's talk about just how Bastille entered our lives. When did mm-hmm. you first really fall in love with Bastille? Oh, when I heard Pompeii on the radio. So it was a love at first sight kind of I mean experience for you or love it at was first at least listen? it was at least love at first um I don't want to phrase this. I fell in love with the song at first listen. Not necessarily the band, but that first impression was a very good one. Hmm. Cause I mean for it was that came out what, twenty twelve, the song? I don't know. I thought they had a very unique sound. It was, what, our freshman year of college? Um, Mm -hmm. And there was something very intriguing about the whole overall sound. Like, with the chanting at the beginning. um, Mm -hmm. I know Dan Smith talked about how he really liked the the chanting element of the song. Um, I thought they were going, like, making random sounds with their mouth. Like, going, eh, eh, oh, eh, like, something like that. Apparently, they're not saying that. Um, they're saying A-O, E-H-E-U, <laughs> um, which is Latin for alas. So they're basically screaming, oh, oh no, oh no, oh, oh no, oh no. <laughs> which, <laughs> That's great. Which That's <laughs> it's very on brand. Right, right. For, and like the thing, because either this is like... Pompeii. Right, and here's the deal. I loved... A little, a little morbid, uh, morbid uh, fact about me. I had this book as a kid about Pompeii, and it was like one of those like history books for kids where like they don't get into too graphic detail, but at the same time, it's like this little five-year-old kid reading about the destruction of a Roman city via volcano and lava and smoke and hot ash. And, and for some weird reason, I was fascinated with Pompeii as a concept when I was a little kid. Just another um, bedtime story. Right! Um, and it had pictures and everything, and I was like, oh, this dog died. It's so sad. <laughs> but, but no, so it was, it was weird because this song sort of reignited this, like, fascination with antiquity or, or this one event that happened in antiquity that I had when I was a little kid. Um, and it's, it's just a very well-written song overall. Like, if, if you're going to take it literally, I took it literally. Um, it's this person in the last few minutes with Pompeii um, de- dealing with it. I guess, I guess two corpses uh, reminiscing about their last moments as, as their city burned around them, which is... It's it's a weirdly upbeat song for something so sad. Yeah, it's oddly like inspiring that song. And it, mm-hmm. I had an interesting moment literally um on Tuesday with that song. <laughs> I was I was in it I was in a lift on my way to work and I was um I was I was in a kind of not great mood mm-hmm. um and i was honestly i was feeling very like 
buried under like a lot of just different responsibilities that uh-huh. I had in my head and stuff. And I was just I was just thinking to myself like how am I gonna deal with all this stuff? And then Pompeii came on the radio. <laughs> and I was just like Yeah. So were you buried under <laughs> under life like those corpses were buried under hundreds of feet of ash? Yeah. And lava. And I, I, I literally, I just, it gets, it gets to the drawers. She's like, "How am I gonna be an optimist about this?" And I was just yeah. like, "Yeah." I love that line. Great I love question. that line. I love the imagery that it's, it's portraying here. This little, this little. It's, it's corpse. It's weirdly funny. How am I gonna be an op- <laughs> How am I gonna be an optimist about this, Diane? How? Yeah, you just picture, like, two people, and one person's like, well, I guess it's not so bad. She's like, how am I going to be an optimist about this? We're dead. But but this is part of why I fell in love with Bastille as a band in general, because they're really good at telling a story. Yeah. And the, they're, they're over the top, they're theatrical, uh, they have an, an amazing sound, but it's their ability to convey a story that really got me hooked on them. Um mm-hmm. how did how did you fall for them as a band? So this is actually rather interesting because I actually did not fall in love with Bastille until we saw them live. Oh, that was that was only last year. Yeah. Um here's the thing. I was always I I always liked Bastille. Like, mm-hmm. really liked Bastille. Um, I always found everything they did intriguing, and I listened to it a lot. Um, and when I first heard um, their record Bad Blood, like, I loved, like, I liked it. I was, I thought it was a lot of really great, inventive, interesting music, but there was always this sort of, like, emotional connection that was kind of, like, not quite there for me. Like, yeah. I, like, I really, really liked them, but in terms of, like, there was something holding me back from, like, having the connection that I have to artists like the 1975 and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was always rather interested as to why that was. I couldn't quite figure it out. But then we saw them live, and um, I think... I think context is necessary here. Okay. So when we when we saw Bastille live, it was a spring day in Philadelphia, which mm. is a hit or miss in terms of weather. Um, but this particular spring day was cold. It was very, cold. very, very cold. It was and wet. It, it was very wet. It like it had been raining throughout the day. It was cold and wet, and we were at an outdoor venue with lawn seats. Yep. Um, yep. And it was an all-day event, so we had been there from, like, 3 12. o'clock. I yeah, like, there at 12. I don't know. It was, like, okay. somewhere between 12 and 3 we got there. So, and we stayed for most of it, 
and Bastille was like the second to last act on. Yeah, I forgot who closed. Uh, I think it was Kings of Leon that closed. Yeah, we did not um, stay. Our apologies, stay. To, our apologies to Kings of Leon. We were dying. Yes, uh. I was actually going to die. Um, yeah. And so Bastille was the last act we saw that night. Um, but as we were waiting for Bastille to start, I was standing there and I was like, this is miserable. I want to go home. There was a part of me that wanted to turn to you and be like, we have to go home now. But I knew <laughs> that we couldn't do that because it was Bastille, and you love Bastille, and I've always wanted to see them live, because mm-hmm. I've always been interested to see what that would be like. But so much of me wanted to just forget everything I felt and so go bad. home. <laughs> I felt terrible. Like, that's why uh, right before Bastille, we hid in, like, the lobby to try and warm yeah. up. And, uh, like, we missed, um, we missed a band, we missed Empire of the Sun, and we were trying to just get warm so that we'd be ready, uh, hoping that they would pump us up enough so that we'd forget for at least a 20-minute set that we were freezing and muddy and Yeah, because we were, yeah, because we were standing in the mud. In the rain. In the rain and the mud, and so I'm standing there, and I'm waiting for them waiting for Bastille to get on stage I'm waiting for something to happen mm-hmm. and n- like every part of my body was tired and cold and I literally my expectation leading into the set was like I'm just gonna stand here and wait for it to be over and then I'm gonna go home Yeah. but then the show started and they started with Send Them Off off mm. of their Wild World album. Mm-hmm. And when that song starts, it starts with this loud, blaring horn section, and then the drums kick in, and the bass comes in, and then oh, yeah. Dan Smith comes in. And when that happened, I went from being dead tired to grabbing energy from the deep, deep bowels of my soul. (laughs) And I just went hard. Like, I just started dancing. You really did. And, like, I was like, I'm I'm here. I'm with you guys. And I had never heard that song before. That was the first time I had ever heard that song was in that moment. And Same. that was the instant I fell in love with them. Because no, that's fair. when I got it. That's when it made sense to me. Like, that's fair. Hearing their songs live and hearing Dan Smith sing live is what really hooked me emotionally on to the words that he was saying. There's something about hearing it live and feeling the urgency in his voice when he sings certain lines that really connected me to the stories that he was telling. Well said. Thanks, fam. <laughs> but yeah, so that's my story. I've always liked Bastille. Yeah. But that moment was when I fell in love with Bastille. Well, they've had two, they've had two albums, and I'm looking forward to their third. Which is supposed to drop sometime this year. So that'll be that'll be cool. I'm excited. 
Impress me, Bastille. Impress me. Good luck. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. Yes. Impress but, um, me. <laughs> so we're going to talk about their first album, Bad Blood. But bum, I, I want to turn this discussion into uh, a talk about all of this Bad Blood, which is the extended version of the album, because there's more songs to talk about. And some of my favorite songs come from the 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 B sides that they they stuck on the album. Oh, mine too. Yeah. So we're we're just gonna uh, everything we mention here is based off of the all this bad blood track listing. In case you are all curious as to where we're going with this, but to begin, uh, how to begin? How should we begin? Um, let's see. We've already talked about Pompeii, but yeah, Things We Lost in the Fire um, was initially my favorite song off the album before I heard the extended edition. Um, then some other songs supplanted it, but it, I still really love Things We Lost in the Fire because mm-hmm. it's a beautiful destruction um, that is painted in this song and I ended up listening to it a lot. Yeah, it was just a good song that I needed to hear for that moment. It's weird because like that song's always stuck out to me. And it is that is weird. Like I don't like I've it's this idea of like turning your back on things. Okay. That I think I I really gravitate towards. Because I had moved all the way across the country to go to a school in a whole new state. Mm-hmm. And there was an element to my life of wanting to just sort of burn the bridges behind me. Not all of them, but there was this very strong feeling of just wanting or just wa- feeling like I was watching a life that I had lived sort of burn down to the ashes. Wow. And, like, I would listen to that song a lot and just think about everything that was gone in my life. And I know that song is more sort of targeted to, like, a sort of romantic relationship, but for me... It always felt more of just like a, it's kind of like a song I used to take stock of my life and where I was. And Well, it's, it's funny that you say that because Dan Smith actually, like, the whole reason he wrote the song was that he was, he was fascinated by the concept that you could, you could create and accumulate these physical memories like these these things that stood for an important event like you've got your pictures you've got your 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 gifts you've whatever and that in one incident like a house fire you could lose everything yeah like it's it i feel like you could probably use it as a, a metaphor for a relationship and maybe he wanted to have that be the case too but i think that i don't know i i feel like you've tapped into an important meaning of the song with with your interpretation of it or how you relate to it 
Yeah, I guess you're right. Cause yeah, for for me it was, it was sort of like, I mean, a, my my house didn't burn down or anything, but in <laughs> I jumped on a plane, and four or five hours went by, and then all of a sudden, like, it it was like a a whole a whole life filled with memories and um childhood dreams and hope, like all of that was gone, and I was in a whole new place. And mm -hmm. everything, yeah, like, it was this whole empty slate, and all that was left was sort of the, like, remnants of those previous memories that I had. Um, yeah, never really thought about it that way, but I guess that, yeah, I guess that's why, like, it sticks out to me. And in general, like, just musically, that song... Uh, Dan Smith is his voice on that song is just really Dan Smith's voice just in general is amazing. I I do love that about him and like, and by extension the sound that Bastille has, like his voice is so luscious. <laughs> yeah, there's a gravity to it. I think I said this in our Bad Sons episode, mm. but yeah, Dan Smith his voice has this just like. Wait, when he sings, yes. you listen. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, even when he's being quiet, whisper singing and things like that. Like, even that you listen to, and there's so much, like, richness to his voice and depth to his voice that you have to listen to it. I like that description. I like I like how how you said it was a rich voice because it almost is this rich velvety voice like i'm i'm eating a pudding yeah it, there's <laughs> a chocolatey like yeah, you're eating a, a chocolate cake a rich moist dark one. chocolate yes mm -hmm. and and it soars honestly his voice soars especially in songs where he he really shows off his range where like he goes from the really low to the really high cuz honestly the man's got range Oh, I don't yeah. think he. I don't think he has Brendan Urie range, but the man has a range, and it's so impressive when you hear them actually show it off. Like he, he's like an eagle flying, or perhaps an albatross. But we'll get to that later. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing about this album? I think my favorite thing about this album is that you can't put Dan Smith's influences in a box you know True. like there's so much of this album that is taken from seemingly separate sort of cultural influences like like so much of bastille is literary and historical but mm -hmm. there's also so much of it that is hip-hop and yeah. current and it's this wonderful marriage of all these different sounds that weave together and tell the story of dan smith it that i think that's really cool that he's found his voice through all these different influences and takes them and weaves them together and mashes it all together to make something that 
is uniquely him. True. Because that's the thing, like, with Bastille, like, when it comes to bands and the alternative music scene and sort of his contemporaries and things like that, like, sometimes you can be like, oh, that band sounds like these bands or these bands. But with Bastille, for me, it's really hard to sort of say, oh, Bastille sounds like this band, or this band sounds like Bastille. Like, Bastille sounds like Bastille. Yeah, I agree completely. What's good about it, too, is that it's tempting to say that it's because of Dan Smith's voice, like the vocal Mm. quality to his voice, but that's not it. Because I think even when you strip out his voice, like, just the arrangements of the songs and mm-hmm. the, again, the different influences in the songs are just so uniquely Bastille that true. I think even, even if Dan Smith lost his voice, it would still sound just as unique to him. And I think that's my favorite thing about this album. This album in particular, too, because there um, are a lot of there are a lot of different sort of places that he goes with this album. Like, because you have songs like Pompeii and Things We Lost in the Fire um, and Icarus, and they're these songs that feel very historical and have these almost tribal beats to them and things like that. Um, but then you have songs like Up the Night, which is one of my favorite songs on the extended album, which is this, like, cool, um, just kind of banger party song. (laughs) And you're like, what, where did this come from? And then you have What Would You Do, which is a cover of a hip-hop song. Fun facts, I didn't know it was a cover when I first heard it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the cover of a City High song. Yes. Um, I found out later when you told me. <laughs> you were kind of upset. You are like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Of the Night was a mashup either. Yeah, Until... I learned that later also. Yeah. Of, about Of the Night. Cause when I heard it, I was like, oh, Bastille writing this great song. Yeah, I heard Rhythm of the Night at a club somewhere, like the original, Mm -hmm. and I was like, whoa, they covered Bastille? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, no. This is is a a 90s jam. It came way before their time. Uh, I feel like I've talked a lot. What? Well, I, I was curious as to as to your views, because um, everyone, I think, takes away something different from, I mean, not just any artist, but I mean, in, in the case of Bastille, there are people fall in love with them for different reasons. So I was, I was curious as to what, how, what you took away from this, excuse me, what, took, what you took away from this album, what made it special. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, but I think for me, this was the first album where uh, how do I want to phrase this? Um, this, I don't know, this was the first album 
that had words that matched the majesty of the sound for me. And I'm I'm very much mm. a person who gets into lyrics and and lyrics to me mean a lot. Um ironic considering one of my favorite songs is One Week by Bare Naked Ladies. Um uh, <laughs> But but like the point that I'm trying to make about this this album was this was the first album like I, I have I have a, in front of me a Google Doc with various notes and I think one two three four five six um like seven seven songs ref uh reference literature or history, or something like that, and they tell they tell stories in a way that is compelling and does justice, uh, or or is complementary to the source material, which I think is is fascinating. And to to me, that's like, oh wow, I've never seen a band do this, or at least I've never seen a band do it this well. So that to me was like, oh yeah, Bad Blood, great album. All this Bad Blood, better album. <laughs> Can I? Can I say that, um, so in the, in our episode on the 1975, mm -hmm. um, I mentioned how if I were a band, I would be the 1975. When yeah. I listen to Bastille, I instantly think of you. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, Aww. Bastille... <laughs> Is a band that feels like you. Oh, thank if you. If you've ever, yeah, you're welcome, fam. But just <laughs> for yeah, for the listeners, if you've ever wanted to know what it's like to just be in Katarina's <laughs> presence, it's kind of <laughs> like listening to Bestia. <laughs> <laughs> what you hear in Bastille is a person that has a passion for culture. As a passion mm -hmm. for life, as a passion for living, as a passion for the world around them, and that's what I think about when I talk with you. Like I'm gonna cry. That's beautiful. It. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's getting too real. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm but, sorry. But I, I'm I... getting so real, but I can't. <laughs> I I like. I'll I'll be real. I honestly can't talk about Bastille without talking about you. That's how I that's how I compartmentalize you. <laughs> how I sum you up in my head musically. It's just It's an Bastille. honor to be it's an honor to be lumped in with that category. Um cuz that's that's how I see Bastille as well. Like they are they're literary, they're cultural, they're they're a band that is alive. And I love that. Like I don't know that. Oh, but no, I I love I love this whole album. Um, it's it's funny, you know. Side note: I didn't know Durban was a place. I thought it was like a play on urban, but apparently Durban is a town in South Africa. Yeah. So. So that's new. So I'm ignorant, but that's okay because I learned something today. Um, just as I learned recently, and I'm I'm mad that it, I didn't get it <laughs> until like really recently. You know the song "Poet." Yes. 
Yeah, I know it's inspired by the Shakespeare sonnet. No. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more te that one. I did not know that. Yeah, cause and like I love that whole... song too. Yeah. I know. I was so angry. Number one, I love that sonnet. Um I had to memorize it, but that's a whole other story. Um so like I knew sonnet 18, but the song talks about how I'm assuming Dan uh wants to immortalize his lover forever in a song because if you put someone you love in a song or in a piece of art they never really die even when they're dead mm -hmm. right and that's the whole theme of the end of sonnet 18 by william shakespeare and i was furious i didn't catch it <laughs> i was so angry you were so swept up in the song and just how adorable yeah. it is yeah that you're like, like ah. the, it's it's infuriating because like the the ending um um, but Sonnet 18 ends with, So long as men can breathe, their eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. And I was like, yeah, that's one of my favorite, my favorite ways to phrase what love means to an artist. Mm -hmm. Because what higher compliment can you get when you're in love with an artist than they put you in their work, so that you can literally live forever in this way. Yeah. Even when your body is a corpse. Like... I really like poet. Right? I'm it's so little, good. I'm a little embarrassed of how many times I just listened to that song. Poet is a great song. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. Let it fly. Because I would just sit there and just be like, I hope one day somebody feels this way about me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the beauty of that song. <laughs> You're just like, oh. It's what we all want. <laughs> And it more so, I, more than just that, I also was like, I hope one day I feel this way about someone. Like, yeah. Like somebody that, like, I just love so much that I want to write them down so they can just be in this world forever within my words. It's just That's beautiful. It's so, it's so lovely. Isn't it? Yeah. And there, and just pair that with Dan Smith's voice, which is just so, like, Ugh. silky and smooth, as we've said. It is. It it's is just, so silky. Like, how do, you, how do you get more romantic and adorable than that song? You don't. <laughs> you don't. No. Like, you really don't. It's funny, too, just, like, when you just listen to the, like, actual music you take out the words and the lyrics and stuff it's so mm -hmm. simple and just like unassuming that like it, it there's something about it it's like it just all works together okay favorite songs are we doing top three or are we trying to narrow it down i'm gonna say that. top three because it's a long album <laughs> it really is it's so long um Okay, so top three, I'm not going to count Pompeii, because I feel like Pompeii is in a league of its own. Mm -hmm. um, but top three would be, oh, Weight of Living Part 1 is one of my favorites because it references the Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, mm -hmm. and it's, it's so cool. Like, there, it's, 
you get the albatross around your neck as a metaphor for like, oh, you're carrying your problems and they're they're hurting you and they're like, let it go. But I also really like that poem, mm. which is about a sailor cursed to wander the earth because because he kills an albatross, which is super bad luck. And basically everyone in his crew dies. So to me, I was like, holy shit, a band referenced this poem. I love it. This is this be all and end all. Icarus is another favorite because I'm Greek and I love Greek mythology. And also, this song came out during my freshman year where I was sort of in an Icarian spiral myself. But that's all I'm going to say about that. And my third favorite is Haunt. Because it's it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And there's something... There's something really intriguing to me about being able to haunt somebody. Like, to, to love somebody so much and and to be such an imprint in their lives that even when, like, they're dead, they're haunted by you. Mm. I don't know. Something... I also really like the general sound of that song. Yeah. It's so nice. And that's it. That's it for me. Your top three. Let's see. I'm gonna go with Things We Lost in the Fire because... Like I said, um, I've always had this sort of inexplicable connection to it. I really love Poet. Because mm. it's so cute. Uh, I'll, I, I won't talk anymore about it. Um, and, you know, I'm going to go with, for my last one, Overjoyed. Ooh! Why? Because it's so sad. Like, it just sounds sad. Uh, but, yeah, like, does. but he's just like, oh, I feel overjoyed. And the line in the chorus, in, he's just like, I hear you calling in the dead of night. It's, a, it's another one of those haunting songs. Like, that Dan Smith does haunting songs very well. He um, really does. And it's weird. And I've always found it interesting the way he sort of brought these two themes of just, like, feeling overjoyed, but also just, like, haunted and scared, you know? Like, mm-hmm. the the marriage between those two themes on that song have always been really compelling to me. But yeah, I will go with Things We Lost in the Fire, Poet, and Overjoyed. discussion to Wild World, which Woo-hoo. came out September 9th, 2016, and has the best song in the world, Send Them Off, on it. Oh, I thought you were going to go Good Grief. No, Send Them Off is <laughs> the best song, like, I know we do our favorite songs at the end, but I'm already, like, Send Them Off. Send Them Off. Send Them Off. <laughs> Everything about that song is perfect. Nobody can convince me otherwise. 
I love that song so much. Everything about it from the very beginning when it starts out with the um movie sample and the guy's just like, it's a slight on my honor. So therefore he deserved it. Like it's just so cool. Everything about that song is cool. And I love this sort of uh I love the literary reference to Othello. Othello meets the exorcist, he said. Yeah. I I love I love that reference. I love that sort of twisting of the original source material. And yeah, this is a major sort of power song for me. Like I said, I heard it for the first time at that um at that show when I went from 0 to 100 in a second. And ever since then, that is the song I listen to when I am feeling my lowest and need need to bring something out of me that I didn't know that I had. Like, that yeah. is that song for me. It's the resilience song for me. It's the charge through, keep going, don't stop song for me. Yeah, you can't listen to that song and not be hype. I refuse That's to believe true. that you can just listen to that song and be like, yeah, I'm not feeling motivated to do anything. Like, at the very least, you're going to be motivated to dance or scream or fist pump in the air. You're going to want to do something. So, yes, that song's perfect. And the horns. The horns. Yeah. Honestly, best part. Praise be. (laughs) Fun fact, did you know that the opening sample is from an Italian sci-fi movie? I did know that. Because I looked it up after I heard the song. Because <laughs> I was like, what is this? Right? What it's is so happening? weird. It's so weird. Another, another great thing about this band is that they just pull out the weirdest stuff to sample. Like, I love it. <laughs> it's so delightfully obscure. Yeah. And, and again, it like speaks to uh, Dan Smith's hip-hop influences. Hip-hop is sampling, like, the art of sampling, and he incorporates that into his music, which is also blending elements of just, like, rock and things like that. And so for him to do that so well and just without regard to any sort of rules of genre or style or aesthetic, he just does whatever he wants in that song and just puts it all in there and ends up creating this banger of a track. Like, it's it's such a banger. What a great song to open with, too, on a set. Yeah, like, perfect. You can't get any better than that. Like, cause, cause like, how, how are you gonna be an audience member and listen to that and not be like, Oh, this is great. Especially when you've got, like, thousands of other people around you screaming along to it. Like, the energy it creates is just, like, infectious to, like, levels that would make the CDC scream. (laughs) (laughs) You know? I do. (sighs) 
this album inspires a lot of thoughts. Um, I love how many different weird things they sample on this album. I loved that Good Grief sampled Weird Science. Yeah, that was cute. Easily one of the funniest movies of the 80s. I love the juxtaposition between positive words and and depressing tones. Like on An Act of Kindness, to me, when I first heard An Act of Kindness, I was like, this song does not inspire me to be happy in the slightest. Like, in a, in a way, when I first heard it, and, you know, the chorus is, and now it follows me everywhere, and it's repeated. And at, fir- at first, it inspired this sense of paranoia in me. <laughs> but um, if you just, if you look at the lyrics, like, if you sit down and you read them, it's one of the most positive songs on the album. Because it's about how a small act of kindness can, can change a person's day or even a person's year or a person's life. Uh, and, that, and that act of kindness can follow you. Um, but I think, in a way, the, the paranoia or the, the, the frantic energy of it towards the chorus is interesting because uh, Smith said something along the lines of, like, you can feel kind of worthy or unworthy of that. So that's probably why the song is so ambiguous in a way um i don't know it's i i like how weird it is because it's like i can't pinpoint it i have a hard time pinpointing a lot of things on this album um i don't know uh did winter of our youth make you cry no 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 but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it made me sad. I was like, ugh. Ugh. I don't want to think about my... Because, like, that's such an awful... You know, you think about... I, I'm, I, I'm getting older, guys. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the cold in my bones. I know when storms are coming. You know? <laughs> um, I don't like it. Getting old scares me. <laughs> and uh, you don't like to think of being in the winter of your years until you're, like, you know, in your 80s or your 90s, whatever. Um, but it's an interesting concept to think of being in the winter of your youth. Like, your youth is actually coming to an end and, and everything else happens after that. Because youth doesn't necessarily mean your childhood is ending. Youth just means your youth is ending. And that uh, I'm paranoid. It's not even about, like, for me, losing, like, beauty or, or energy, because, look, I'm a, I'm a lazy, lazy child. <laughs> I'm just, I, I don't know, it's just, a, it's just a sort of scary thing to know that the progression of time is constant. There is no stopping. And, like, when you're, when you are young, like, you always feel, I've got time. Except you don't. <laughs> um, if I talk about this anymore, I'm gonna get paranoid. I will say that, yet again, it samples, um... It samples some weird, obscure social film. I love it when songs do that, when they, when they sample some weird stuff. Um, it's from a, a social guidance film called Act Your Age. You gotta wonder what these kids were, were learning. And I love the fact that Dan says that they've only played it live twice because it is difficult and they're lazy. <laughs> That's real. Same. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> um... Did you know that Four Walls was about uh, the murderer from In Cold Blood? I didn't know that until today. Um, 
but I do like that song, morbid yeah. as that origin story is. Um, yeah. But it is, it is a, yeah, it's another one of those, like, sort of haunting and, like, creepy songs. It it, it always unsettled me for some yes. reason, but I couldn't really pinpoint why. And so <laughs> learning that it's about a murderer is yeah. validating. And it's like, oh, okay, I should have been unsettled. That is accurate. Yeah. For those of you who are unaware of what In Cold Blood is, it is a true crime novel written by Truman Capote uh, about a 1959 quadruple homicide. And Perry Smith is the one of the people who were who were convicted and executed for this. So basically, so the song is not fun. Yeah. No. Um. Snakes is good. Yes. I like snakes a lot. I like the rhythm and the cadence in snakes. Yeah. There's something there's something very intriguing about about how he how he does his rhymes in the chorus of snakes. There's something about snakes that's um it almost sounds like it's got an older sensibility to it. Almost like a... I'm tempted to say like a Motown song or something. <laughs> That'd be fair considering he... I mean, his parents were influenced by the melodic music of that time. So, who knows? Yeah. And I, I love that um, Dan Smith has said about this song that it's about going out and getting drunk on a Friday night. <laughs> I love that. that seems to stand for me. It mm -hmm. seems fun and but also like crazy in an unsettling way. As yeah. as is kind of par for the horse on a drunken Friday night. So True. I also like the overall sentiment of the song of like being so sick to death of all the shit you see on the news that you're just like, I'm gonna get wasted. And when I wake up from this alcohol-induced coma, y'all better sort it out, all of your garbage. You hear me? A Heineken. And like... <laughs> y'all figure this like out because I'm not gonna be able to in about two hours. Yeah, the world is complicated, and I'm too drunk for this. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. So, I went first last time, so what are your favorite songs? Uh, Send Them Off. Mm. In case that wasn't obvious from this <laughs> entire episode. Send Them Off. Send Them Off. Send Them Off. Um... Next, I guess, is send them off. Um, <laughs> did it, did it, but honestly, like that, send them off is amazing. Um, lethargy is mm. um another favorite. Um, I really like lethargy, and yeah, I think snakes. I think those were the ones. Nice. Like send them off lethargy and snakes. Um, 
it's it's a good mix between like pump up, have fun, be a little sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very, very symbolic of a wild world. Yeah. I love that about this album. You can basically break it down into like two halves of uh this the sort of optimistic pumped up side and then the we're just here to talk about depression side. <laughs> the world is screwed. Get used to it. <laughs> okay, for my favorites, I'm going to say I'm going to say Good Grief. I really like that song. I think it's a bop. I love dancing to that song. It it does something that I think we talked about last episode with with bad sons about how it's a a song that teeters on the edge of of portraying something sad but at the same time is is trying to to boost your energy to get out of the sadness anyway like he said it was a song about the ups and downs of life like it's it's about all the highs and the lows that you experience in loss so to me, that's, I don't know, I like it. I like the energy of it. And again, it's a bop. And then I'm going to have to say Winter of Our Youth. And you know what? You know what? I think this is a first. We're going to overlap, send them off. It's definitely not a first. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Definitely not a first. No. Send them off is perfect, and that's the correct answer. <laughs> I love it. Alright, that wraps up our Bastille episode. Woohoo! We did it. We that did it. That was dope. Um, thank you for listening to our sixth episode of Rhapsody and Reverie. We hope you enjoyed listening. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at Rhapsody Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle for both. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean. You can listen to us on all those sites. Um, leave us a rating and review on all those sites. Give us Please feedback. Do that. Yeah, we we really want to know what we are doing that you like and what we're doing that maybe you wish we would change. Just give us some sort of feedback. Give us a sign. Talk to us. We we like talking. I mean, we started a podcast, so we obviously mm-hmm. like talking. Um, yeah, you can't you can't shut us up once we get going. So you might as well tell us what you'd rather hear come out of our mouths. Yeah, you know, make you can't make, stop it. Make life better for you. you yes. Know? Um. But yeah. Um. Also, <laughs> keep your eyes on our website for announcements of new interesting stuff. But yeah, um next week shall we shall we give them a hint for our next week's episode? We shall. Okay. So next week's band shares a name with a week-long festival that is held annually in the city of Pamplona, Spain. Oh, I know. <laughs> I did. I didn't actually look, and I was like, gonna try and see if I could guess it from the hint. 
I got and it. And you did. I got yeah, it. Yeah, you did. I feel like I feel like a few of you would probably get it. Um, and of course, tune in uh to our Twitter and our Facebook on Wednesdays because it's Wednesday guest day. Hashtag Wednesday guest day. And if you guess it, we are going to shout you out on the podcast. That, and you get to live your life knowing that you contributed to society. Pride of a job well done. Ah. Uh, um, but yeah, so tune in next week to find out who we're doing and who we're... Oh. It's one of those Will Adrian episodes. and Esteban finally consummate their love? Will <laughs> Rodrigo finally kill Esteban? <laughs> it's one of those episodes. <laughs>